<laughs> All right, so I guess we'll start by opening up the Bibles to John 3. And today we're going to be going through verses 1 through 10. Okay, so verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with them. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are, the teacher, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. So back to verse 1. Um, Nicodemus, as we talked about, he was a man of the Pharisees. And most of you probably don't know who he is or have heard of him. And so I'm going to give you a little background about him. So he was a member of the Sanhedrin, it's a type of council or rulers. It's kind of like the Supreme Court. It's made up of 71 like strong leaders of the nation. And they were, they were the responsible ones for interpreting the civil laws and religious laws. And a Pharisee is a religious leader who believed God would punish the wicked and reward the righteous good in the afterlife. And they believed in oral law, which is law that's spoken and accepted by that speaking that God gave to Moses at Sinai along with the Torah, which is, that's the, I think that's a Jewish holy book? No. Yeah, it's a Jewish holy book. And the, or the written law, which was the Torah. And it was similar to the U.S. Constitution in the sense that it set down a series of laws that were open to be interpreted different ways and changed. The Pharisees believed that God gave Moses the knowledge of these laws that and that they were meant they should be applied and followed according to these laws, and that's how you should live your life. The oral tradition was codified and written down roughly three centuries later in what is known as the Talmud. And so, like I said, a Pharisee is basically just a hypocrite of the law, and they are basically liars, and um, Jesus considered them cursed. And if you want to read more about Pharisees and who they really are, there was something in Matthew 23 talking about how Jesus was calling them sons of hell, that produced more sons of hell because that's how bad their like, thinking process was. So Nicodemus, though, as I said, was not a normal Pharisee. He was like one of the highest teachers of Israel. He was a guy all the other Pharisees went to and all the other preachers and ministers went to because he was basically the guy that everybody knew. Um, because he was this and this was because he was a Sanhedrin, which was one of those 71 members that were above everybody else, like the Supreme Court. Nicodemus, however, he could be blameless before the law. So in other words, however he thought the law was, he could go with that and not get punished for it, even if he was doing it wrong. Like, a, like hypocritical, like I said. And as I said, Nicodemus was the leader of the Jewish nation. And so in verse 2 we have, 
He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who came from God, for no one could perform these miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with them. Here we read that Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to Jesus. Clearly, this would not have been written down if this didn't have meaning. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he was probably ashamed. If he were to be seen by other Pharisees talking to Jesus, the person they antagonized most, he would have been looked down on because everything Jesus says is true and goes against basically what they're trying to teach. And when John refers to the night in the gospel throughout the book of John, it's mentioned in other places, um, he's talking about it's not just nighttime, but it's a time of emotional darkness as well, and it's not just the physical darkness outside. And so, as we see, Nicodemus was in this darkness, and he came to Jesus because he wanted to be brought out of this darkness, and he was looking for what it was. And uh, Nicodemus called Jesus a rabbi, which is a teacher, and it's pretty ironic to see a Pharisee leader calling Jesus person they antagonize, a teacher. But they, it says, Rabbi, we know. So it's kind of confusing because the Pharisees are teaching all these people the wrong thing, but still they know. But the main thing they know is Jesus based upon his miraculous signs he's been doing. And those, um, that's not a real faith. That's it's not a saving faith. That's just a faith, like you see him do something, you believe, like if you were to see Michael Jordan dunk a basketball, you could say he's the best player in the game, but until you actually experience what he goes through and does, it's not the same. So Nicodemus' faith was not great enough that he would address Jesus as the Messiah or the Son of God, but only as a teacher because of what he saw him do. Um, and So after the rabbi we know, this indicates that they, whoever they were, were mainly Jews. Uh, no Jesus came from God before they all believed. However, their belief was that he was a teacher and most likely a prophet. Jesus, however, was performing miracles to show the power of God and that he was Jesus, the Son of God, and the, just to exalt God's power. But the thing that's pretty cool is that when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and all these miraculous signs that Jesus was doing, it was kind of cool because there hadn't been a prophet come by in over 400 years, and Jesus was the first one. And so it's kind of a sign that if there hasn't been a prophet, Jesus has to be the one. And so we get into verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. This verse is basically the foundation of rebirth. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was confused by this because he knew there was no possible way to be physically reborn. He was an older man at the time when he talked to Jesus, so he knew it can't be possible to go back to your mom, enter her womb, and be reborn again because that's just not how, it's, that's not how it works. But Jesus here is referencing to a new birth from the kingdom of heaven and from above. Even though Nicodemus could quote almost any passage of the Old Testament, even he didn't know how to obtain the new birth because he, he wasn't looking at it the right way. New birth or salvation is not gained by anything a person does. The kingdom of heaven is open to those who are born again. So Pharisees are taught to live by works, and works will get you to heaven. Only good works will get you to heaven. And that's, that's why he was in this darkness, because he couldn't get out of it, because he was taught works, works, works all his life. And then we get into verse 4. 
How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter the mother's womb a second time to be born. Like I said earlier, he asked how one could be born because it's not physically possible that he was older. So after this question is asked, we know that Nicodemus, a keeper of the law, wants to earn this salvation. He wants to be reborn. The problem is Nicodemus thinks that people are saved by their works, like I said. This is because that's, that's what their tradition was. Every one of them was taught that. And, yeah. So, verse 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and, and the Spirit. One must be born with water and Spirit. This is talking. Well, the Spirit, obviously, is you must, you must get the Holy Spirit in your life. These, these are both going to the same thing. These both go to the part of rebirth. So, this could be taken multiple ways, but the way that made the most sense to me was the water part of rebirth is a type of regeneration, such as experiencing the living word. So, the written word of God, like the Bible. It also refers to a spiritual cleansing as well. Um, and if you could turn to Ephesians five twenty-five through 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So here it's saying, um, love the church the most. And like if you were to take out her in the first verse, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if you took out her and put the church... Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church to make the church holy, cleansing the church by the washing with water through the word. So it's not just talking about your wives, it's talking about the whole community around you. The birth um, that's talking about a spirit, the water part of it's the written word of God because it's living and it's moving. But the birth that consists of the Spirit is just referencing to accepting the Holy Spirit into your life. And the Holy Spirit's the Spirit that goes in the Spirit part of the water and Spirit. So in verse 6 we have, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What is born of flesh, this is talking that only humans can give birth to humans. And it also means that only flesh can be affected by flesh. So in other words, you can only be affected by another human being. You can be affected by like a dog. But um, on the downside, flesh is evil, so you can't control what the flesh is going to do. What is, born, what is born of spirit is spirit. So in other words, you can only be born of the spirit if the Holy Spirit is in your life. Spirit can only be affected by the Holy Spirit. So it's not like, it's not the same as flesh affecting flesh. Like I can't affect Ash like he can affect me. The only way my spirit can be affected is through Christ and the Holy Spirit. As I said before, flesh is evil, so you need the spiritual heart to come into your life and cleanse you of your sin, not a fleshful heart that is a heart of stone and that is full of sin. So in the Old Testament, we find that it is mentioned that the only way to enter heaven is through spiritual birth. You can't enter heaven by anything you do, only by the Spirit. So if we go to Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, it's... Is it 28? Through 28. 
It says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you from... I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. And this is kind of introducing the new covenant, which is one of the main reasons. This is like, this is Jesus talking about your salvation. And then we get to verse Samuel 10, 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. So that's kind of a result of the Spirit being in your life and removing your heart of stone. And then Jeremiah 31, 31-33. through 33. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant though I was husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant. I will make the, with the people of Israel at the time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So he's basically hitting it right there that you have to be a person of God if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. So in verse 7 we have, You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. So Nicodemus, in verse 7, we talked, he needs a spiritual rebirth because he's in this darkness. And he was taught to live by works. So they were taught that through their works, it would make them acceptable to God, when really it's not acceptable to God if all you're doing is works and you're not really getting the satisfaction of the Holy Spirit in you. Nicodemus needed to come to a conclusion. Instead of works, he needed the Holy Spirit in his life so that he could enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus needs spiritually cleansed. Even today, this is how many people live. They do everything they can through works, like going on missions trips and just doing everything they can there. But not if they don't have the Holy Spirit with them, what good is it doing them if they're just doing it for their own bragging rights? It's, it's not right. And the only way to get into God's kingdom and be accepted is to have the Holy Spirit in your life. So in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. The wind here, if you were to take that out and put the Spirit, the Spirit, you can't control where the Spirit's going. Um, as the wind cannot be controlled, neither can the Spirit. So therefore, the Spirit is going anywhere he wants to. Man cannot control the Spirit, which is, which is how it should be. That is why the Holy Spirit is in your life. Spirit can only be affected by the Holy Spirit, and the flesh can only be affected by the flesh. You don't control where the Holy Spirit goes. The Holy Spirit controls where it wants to go. Also, everything done by the wind or the Holy Spirit is, you can't see it, and it's unexplainable. So that's like when, you, when Christ comes into your life, you can't see it, and you can't explain how that feeling is. I mean, you could try, but you, you can never get the full understanding of what it is. The reason for this is because we can't physically see what's really going on. So verse 9, how can this be? So Nicodemus asks here, how can these things be? After all this, Nicodemus's world, he's basically just been hit in the face. Like Jesus told him everything he's learned throughout all his life has been wrong. And so his world has been flipped upside down. And everything, 
he had uh, been taught has just been thrown into questioning and overwhelming evidence has like proved it was all wrong. It is not that he doesn't believe, it's just his whole life turned out to be a lie. And at this point, he doesn't know what to do because he's so old and late in his life that it's hard for him to figure out what to do. And in verse 10, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. So Jesus asked the question in verse 10, and that reference that Nicodemus didn't know what this rebirth and entering the kingdom of heaven was all about. I mean, Nicodemus knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand, and it referenced, like we showed, that it referenced to the new covenant multiple times and how you need to be God's people to get to heaven. And he, he just didn't understand that. Nicodemus was the leader of Israel, and as a leader, you want to know everything. And he didn't even know truly how to get into the kingdom of heaven, has been teaching these people the wrong way to live their lives all throughout their whole lives. Um, even the teacher of, the, of a whole Jewish nation, he, he didn't know what to teach because he didn't have a spiritual cleansing and the acceptance of Jesus Christ into your heart. And through this, you need rebirth in order to get to heaven. It's not, you can't do anything to get your way into heaven. It's only through Christ. And so, as I was saying, in verse 1, we were introduced to Nicodemus the Pharisee. And Pharisees are liars. And then in verse 2, he came at night because he would have been ashamed if he was caught talking to Jesus. In verse 3, this is where we find out about what rebirth is really all about. In verse 4, he asks how you can be reborn, and Jesus tells him, one must be born with the water and spirit, and that's verse 5. And what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Flesh can only affect flesh, spirit can only be affected by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 7, Nicodemus needed the spiritual rebirth because he was taught the wrong way throughout all his life. And the wind blows where it wishes, this is just the Holy Spirit. It goes wherever it wants. You don't control it. And Nicodemus asked, how can these things be? Because everything he had been taught was a lie. And he didn't know what was right and what was wrong at this point. And then Jesus asked in verse 10 how the leader of Israel can't understand these things. And Jesus told him the only way to enter is through rebirth. And that's all I have. All right, can you guys hear me? Yeah. All right, uh, thanks, Jackson. Um, let's give him another round of applause. He did good. Um, so Jackson and I, over the last few weeks, have been going through this together. Um, and Jackson sat down, and he wrote out his outline, what he wanted to cover tonight. And uh, I think he did a really good job. And um, this is something that... Um, you guys can be doing through the Bible too. You know, he, he picked through and, and uh, went through verse by verse and um, kind of dug in to see what, what it was really telling him. Um, you know, it's not just, he didn't just read it and, and move on. He, he read it and then he came back and read it again. And he came back and he read it again. Then he went and he found some concordances and went through it again using some other people's thoughts. Then he went and probably found another one. Maybe he went out and um, found some sermons that, are, that covered the same passage that he, he wanted to go over. And uh, he went through it. So he spent time. He didn't just do his, his devotional, read through it, 
and move on and forget it. He wanted to know what it was all about so he could tell you guys what it was about, right? So this is something you guys can do too. Um, but uh, real quick, I want to ask you guys, um, if we go back, uh, Van, could you pull up verse 3? To, or actually, can you pull up the, uh, verses 1 through 4, the first slide? Um, if you guys re- read through, um, how many of you guys noticed that uh, Jesus answered a question that Nicodemus never even asked? Anybody notice that? Jackson did. So Nicodemus comes to him and starts talking about one thing, about how, how hey, we know you're, you're, you're a teacher. And Jesus turns around and says, well, to, be re- to, to, uh, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be reborn. Wait a minute. What's that all about? Well, what that demonstrates there, and, and what I would just kind of quickly want to point out, is Jesus knew why Nicodemus came. Because he's God. Right? He, he's omnipotent. Or, yeah. He's all-knowing. He knew before Nicodemus came what he was going to ask. He knew why he came. So he just got right to it. Um, so that's, that's another significance I just wanted to, to, to throw out there, and Jackson and I talked about it. Um, so if you go back to um, the, the, the first slide, that question, Van. Um, so what do you guys think happened to Nicodemus after this point? Um, he just had his conversation with Jesus. Jesus flipped his whole world upside down. Gave him unrefutable evidence from the Old Testament that he knew, because he was a Pharisee, he knew the, the, old, he knew the laws and the, the scriptures of the Old Testament inside and out. That was his job. So, and Jesus, in, that's what verse five, 5 and 6 were all about. 5 and 6, when Jesus talks about spirit, and, and the water and that kind of stuff, that was referring back to those scriptures that Jackson went back to in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah. Um, so Nicodemus should have known. That's why in verse 10, he asks, you call yourself the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? It's right there. It spells out and, for, and foreshadows the new covenant. It's right there for him. And he couldn't believe it. So what do you think? Did, did, do you think Nicodemus just had to change your heart right then and there and, was, and moved on? What do you think? You think so? Maybe. Anybody else? Well, let's find out. Um, we, we do see Nicodemus again. It's about two years later, though. If we turn to chapter... I'm going to kind of go ahead of what our reading is right now, if we jump ahead to chapter 7 of John. Um, and I'm just going to kind of summarize. I'm not going to do a whole lot of direct reading. Some, some of it I will. But in verse 28, we see that um, Jesus is teaching um, in Jerusalem in the temple. And um, people are kind of awed. Okay? They're, 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 they're listening. They're coming to him. Um, in verse 40, we see, we see him claim that people are, some people are saying that he's a prophet. Others are saying he's the Messiah, the Christ. So these people are talking like this. And the Pharisees know it. They hear it. So what do they do? They send some temple guards to go down to the temple and seize Jesus. 
So these temple guards go down there. That's, um, that's in uh, verse, verse about 43. Um, so you, they send the temple guard to go arrest them, but they go, and nobody lays a hand on him. Nobody touches him. The temple guard doesn't do anything when they get there. Um, then, we, then we see in 40, uh, verses 44 and 45, the, the temple guard come back to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees say, Whoa, what are you doing? You came back alone? Where's Jesus? We told you to go get him. Um, and the officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. We, we, so they couldn't get past him. They were paralyzed by his words. They were just, they were set aback. They had never heard such things before. And they were, even the temple guard was amazed by it and didn't feel right going and arrested him. So that right then, that, this is, the, 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 the Pharisees were already upset. They sent the temple guard after him because they wanted to bring him in and they wanted to kill him. Okay? Right, this, is, this is about a year before his actual crucifixion, before Jesus dies still. Um, and they, they, they were wanting to kill him. Okay? Um, then, um, in verse, uh, in verse 50, Nicodemus shows back up again, okay? He's, because he's, this is, these are the, these, these are the Sadducees that they're in front of right now, okay? These are the leaders of the Pharisees. And they're coming in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I mean, and, um, there's, they're, they're, and Nicodemus is one of them, so he's there. And he says, hey guys, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't, isn't it, he, and he throws out their own law. He says, our law does not judge a man unless he first hears from him, does he? And, and knows what he's actually doing. So he, he kind of, he steps in for Jesus, okay? He says, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We only know what he's really trying to be all about. And you're already trying to kill him just because, because Jesus was going, they thought Jesus was going against them. And really, they, they were. He was going against them because they were all about the power that they had at that point. Because the Pharisees, they were the top dogs, okay, of the Jews, all right? They were, some of the, they were the, some of the most respected, some of the wealthiest people, okay? Because it was their job to know the word, and they were looked up to, and they, it was their job to know the law, to enforce the law. <clears throat> but Nicodemus steps in. Guys, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> then in verse 51, the, uh, the rest of the Pharisees turn to him, Nicodemus, what, are you from Galilee too? Um, this reference is back. They had said, um, I would missed a, a part that, and forgot to tell you, that uh, Jesus is from Galilee. And some of the people, there was a division amongst the people. Some, some people were saying he's the Messiah, some the prophet. Others were saying, how can the, the Messiah can't come from Galilee, can he? Not, no. No, he's going to be from Jerusalem. Because that's, that, that's the epicenter, right? That's, that's, that's the center of the Jewish land. That's where the king is. That's where everybody is, okay? That's where it's supposed to be. They're under Roman rule at this point, though, so they don't have a king. Um, so so the, the, the Pharisees turn on him and start mocking Nicodemus at this point because he kind of took the side of Jesus, and they kind of see that at this point. But Nicodemus is not a believer. He's swaying towards it. Okay, and that's the first time we see it here. Two years later, after talking to Jesus, he's still, he's still a Sadducee. He's still one of the leaders of the Pharisees. He's still a very well-respected person. He hasn't turned to God yet. 
God has not brought him to Nicodemus to him. Um, let's skip ahead again. Let's go to chapter 19. Um, at this point, Jesus is dead. This is a year, about a, a little over a year later. Uh, Jesus has just been crucified. Okay. Um, chapter 19, verses 30 through 41. Let me get there. Uh, it says, after these things, Jesus of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds worth. So here's Nicodemus again. Okay? This time it's a little bit different. This time he's with Joseph of Arimathea. Everybody's heard of Joseph of Arimathea before, right? From Arimathea. Um, he's, he's the guy with the tomb. He's the one, it was his tomb that they buried Jesus in. Uh, he, he was a believer. He was a secret believer at the time as he was a, a wealthier man. He wasn't professing, but at this point he steps up and says, hey, I want, I want to take Jesus' body. I don't want to, I want to properly prepare it and give him a proper burial. And, and Nicodemus comes with him. What do you think that means? It means Nicodemus is turned. Nicodemus is a believer. Okay? Um, myrrh is a powder-like substance. Okay? It's a, it's a, and um, so he had, so how much, how many people know, like, a pound of sugar is a lot, of, quite a bit of sugar, isn't it? So think about 75 to 100 pounds of myrrh. How much is that? That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's expensive back then, too. Okay? Um, and what they do is they take that myrrh and they'd, they, they, they'd sprinkle over the body as they wrapped him. It, it, um, it was seen as a, a sign um, of respect to the dead, and it also helped cover up some of the smell as well. Um, so, so, so Nicodemus comes with Joseph, and he helps prepare Jesus' body. Okay? So he's a believer. Um, and then they, t- they took Jesus and laid, they laid him in the tomb. Um, and as everybody knows, or I hope you all know, three days later Jesus arose from that tomb. He didn't stay there, but that's another story. Um, so, what happened to Nicodemus? Um, God came down, gave him life, gave him a new heart, a new soul, and he washed him clean. He was reborn. Not on Nicodemus's time, not when Nicodemus necessarily wanted to. That was God's timing. God chose for Nicodemus to be changed. Okay? Um, that's kind of where Nicodemus' story in the Bible ends, okay? But I'll go ahead and let, I'm going to let you know kind of where Nicodemus went from there, okay? Um, according to some traditional texts, probably some of the ancient uh, Jewish texts, okay? Um, tradition is what I'll, I'll refer to it as. Tradition says that he was the only person who stood up at Jesus' trial before Pilate and defended Jesus, okay? So this is before Jesus is dead. 
Okay, traditional text says Nicodemus, even back then, stood up for Jesus before Pilate. And he was the only one. Um, if you remember at that time, even, even Jesus' own disciples were scattering. Okay? Remember, Peter denied him three times that night that he was taken. Um, tradition says he was baptized by Peter and John. Tradition says that his confession of the Lord Jesus was so bold that it led him to be deprived of his office, deprived of his position as a teacher, and deprived of all his entire fortune, all his property, all his possessions, and he was banished from Jerusalem by the Sanhedrin that he had served. So his own leadership. Remember, the, the, he was one of the main teachers of the Sanhedrin. Okay? He, was the one, he was one of the ones that the Sanhedrin turned to with some of his questions. He knew the Jewish law better than most. Okay? But they kicked him out because he, his faith took him so bold. His turn was radical. He didn't, he didn't stand idly by. He didn't hide his faith. He proclaimed it. Okay? But he lost everything because of it. But he gained everything as well. Um, he, was, he was reduced to living outside of the city, but his family remained inside in wretched poverty. poverty. Okay? So he, he was banished from the city and his family had to stay inside the city. And scrounge they were poor I mean, all his all his wealth was gone taken from him his family was left inside to suffer um there's a uh this isn't exactly an uplifting story but there's a there's a, another traditional story that his daughter was so poor that she reached the shame of digging into the, the dung piles for pieces of grain to eat and, and to be able to survive and a rabbi came by and saw her and felt compassion for her and he asked her who are you and she replied, I'm the daughter of Nicodemus. And that rabbi said, whatever happened to your father? And she said, he came to be a follower of Jesus, and he was banished. And at that point, that rabbi turned and left. He walked away. Um, some centuries later, there was a man named Podius. Uh, he was um, part of the Western Orthodox Church many, many centuries later, a few centuries later. Um, and he writes of an ancient document that Nicodemus, and in that, in that ancient document he refers and says that, there's a, that Nicodemus was martyred in the, in the first century for his devotion to Christ and that he was beaten to death and became a martyr by, by a mob. And that's the full story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus lost everything in this world but gained everything in the world to come. Because, guys, what happens on this world doesn't matter. All, the only thing that matters is what comes next. Okay? What you, what, what you do here in the grand scheme of things means very... is. Very, very minuscule compared to what the eternity is going to be like. Okay, it was described. Eternity, eternity was described to me as this way. Okay, if you take a, if you if there's a bird, a, a small, let's say a dove, very small bird, that dove took one piece of sand at a time, flew all the way to the end of our galaxy, we'll just say, okay, and came back. 
got another piece of grain, flew back, came back, and they moved the entire world that way. Okay? By the time that little tiny dove was finished, eternity has only begun. That's a long time, guys. So what, what, what in the grand scheme of things, what do you think about Nicodemus? Did, did he make the right decision? Did he make the right trade? He lost everything here, but he gained everything in heaven. Um, so tonight we learned about a man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a leader of the Pharisees, came to Jesus and learned that he was wrong. Jesus turned his world upside down, and he beat him with his own law. He proved it to him with his, with his own, the Old Testament, his, his baby, his bread and butter, his job. He referred to, he took him back to text and proved to him at that time Nicodemus didn't believe still, but God was working on him still. We learned that we can only come through Christ by being reborn. There's nothing we can do. Flesh can only affect flesh. Our spirit can only be affected by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing, and that, that's saying there's nothing we can do in, in this world to affect what happens to our spirit. Only God can. So, guys, um, we, we've only scratched the surface of what it means to be reborn, to be regenerated through God. Um, but I want to encourage you guys, if you want to know more, find a leader. Go one-on-one with them. Ask them. They, were, they will be thrilled beyond belief to get to talk to you guys about that, okay? So I encourage you, if you have more questions, because we didn't, we didn't go into great detail. Verses 11 through um, the end of the ch- that, that chapter 3 go into a lot more detail about salvation, about what happens at that moment of rebirth. And I, I encourage you to find a leader and ask more, Okay? Um, let's uh, I'm going to close in prayer dear Heavenly Father we just thank you that we could all gather here tonight Lord and learn more about you and um, we are just so thankful that you sent your son to die on that cross for us Lord that we may be reborn and born again Lord that you made that new covenant so that we may find you and that your Holy Spirit may enter our lives and change us forever we ask, Lord, that uh, you would be with those students here in this room, Lord, that uh, may have those questions, Lord. And I, pray, I pray that you would just use the Holy Spirit to push on their heart, Lord, to, um, to have that desire to know more, Lord, to, um, to move them to take that next step in their life, to find that leader to talk with, Lord, that they wouldn't just stay quiet, they would speak out, Lord, that, that you would overflow them like a fountain, Lord. I ask you to just be with these students as they go out this week, um, as we enter the last half of the summer, Lord, and just uh, be with them and protect them. We love you and we thank you. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen.